Hey, before I begin my message, I want to give a quick disclaimer. If you hear me moaning or grunting or bending down low, it's not because I think this is the best message you ever heard. It's because even now I have back issues. I have a week back, and I don't know if it's because I'm turning the big four zero next month or it's because I packed the COVID-19. Come on, somebody. I don't know what it is, but I'm having back issues. But you know what? That's not the real issue. Although I have a week back, the real issue is I don't have a strong core. That if you would focus on having a strong core, then that would mean I would have a stronger back. Grumlaw, I believe you're in a series entitled At the Core. And if you want a healthy church, then I want you to focus on your core. That if you want a strong relationship with Jesus, then just focus on the core. I'm the pastor at Crossover Church in Southfield, Michigan, and we have core values, and those core values make Crossover Crossover. But you have core values, and those core values make Grumlaw Grumlaw. And today, we're going to talk about the third core value, assume the best. Come on, everybody say it with me. Assume the best. Now, I am the perfect person to talk about this topic because I always assume the worst. I just picked up golf, and every time I pick up that driver, I assume the worst. Every time I look at the water, I assume the worst. Every time I see sand, I assume the worst. Matter of fact, every time I see grass, I assume the worst. But listen to me, when you assume the worst, bad things happen. But when you assume the best, good things happen. And in Acts chapter 3, we see a man who's lame from birth, and he's miraculously healed because people around him assume the best. Let's pick up the story because the book of Acts is in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. And Acts was an eyewitness account written by a man named Luke. Now, you know this as you matriculated through Sunday School 101, or maybe this is your first time here, but Jesus lived 33 and a half years. He did ministry for three and a half years. And we know the story that Jesus died on a cross. He rose from the grave. But oftentimes, this is where we get confused. What did he do after this? And this is where the book of Acts is helpful. Because in Acts chapter 1, it talks about that Jesus is with his followers, and for 40 days, he teaches about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is simply God's way of doing things. And then he tells his followers, he says, I want you to wait for the promise. See, Christmas is about God with us. Easter is about God for us. But Pentecost, which we celebrated last week, that's about God in us. And if you're here, you trusted Jesus Christ. You are never alone. God will never leave or forsake you. And Pentecost, it simply means this, 50 days after Easter. So 50 days after Easter, that's where the Holy Spirit came on those who believed in Jesus. And that's where the church was formed. But before the church made an impact in the world, they had a core value. You want to know what it is? The core value was this. They were all on one accord. They all had unity, and that's why they were able to make a difference in the kingdom of God. But today we're going to talk about assuming the best, because if you can be unified around this core value, this church can make an impact in the kingdom of God. So let's pick up the story. Acts chapter 2, verse 
46, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Notice what it says. It says every day they meet they met at the temple courts. Now, I know summer is about to hit and, and you didn't get a chance to go on vacation last year. Even though it's summertime right around the corner, we want you to engage on continually meeting. They met every day. We're not asking you to meet every day, just once a week or check it out online because one of the things that is important is this. You have to stay connected because if you stay connected, that's when you will make a difference in the kingdom of God. And then it says that they broke bread with one another. See, this is a great time that you can have when you have fun, food, and fellowship. That was a small group. They met together as a large group, but they also met together as a small group. And they were joyful. They enjoyed being around one another. And it says that God added daily to their number. One of the things I love about this church, when I watch online, I love watching the stories during baptism. There's been so many people in your church that have experienced life change because of their relationship through Jesus Christ. And the Lord wants to continue to add to this church daily. And although you're making a great impact, God has greater things for this church, but we must assume the best. And now as we jaywalk to Acts chapter 3, Verse one, this is what it says. And I think it's interesting, this story. It says one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. One day, two people who followed Jesus Peter and John, they headed to the temple courts. That's like us coming to Grumlaw Church. They worshiped in a temple. We worship in a church. And they saw this man who was lame from birth. Lame means he can't move. He was crippled. He cannot take another step. But he had friends who would bring him to the temple courts to a gate called Beautiful, 70 feet high. 60 feet wide, but it was not inside the temple courts. It was outside the temple courts. And every single day he would be there begging people for money, begging people for loose change. But it says that one day Peter and John saw him. See, other people passed over him because he's been like that from birth. But this is the day where Peter and John assumed the best. This is the day that his life would change because there was two people who assumed the best. And this is what I need you to do. I need you to assume the best in everyone around you. He doesn't know it yet, but his life is going to change because they assume the best. So this is what I want you to do this week. I want you to assume the best in everyone around you because there's so many people who are crippled. There's so many people who are lame, who can't move forward. <laughs> but sometimes you need help from people to help you move forward. Because, again, the only reason he's here is because he had friends enough to bring him close enough to the temple. Uh, about a couple months ago, my wife gave me a laundry list of things to get at the grocery store. And if your wife gives you a laundry list, 
please don't forget the laundry detergent. And that's what happened with me. And so I go to the grocery store and there's this lady that is there and she's barely speaking English, but she would tell people to grab something off the shelf and put it in her cart. But then I noticed she would ask them to pay for what was in the cart. And at that moment, I didn't assume the best. I assumed the worst. That she made eye contact with me. But you know what I did? Because I was in a rush, I had things to do, and I just didn't feel like being bothered. I acted as if I didn't see her. I assumed the worst. I went home, and as I'm walking into the garage with the groceries, I looked at that laundry list, and I forgot an item. So I went back to the grocery store and I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me, you didn't forget something, you forgot to meet a need. See, when you see a need, you and I, we need to meet a need. We need to assume the best. As I went looking for her, I noticed she was at the checkout line with another young man. You know what God told me in that moment? If you don't do it, I'll find someone else to do it. See, I assume the worst, but you and I, We're supposed to assume the best in people because that could be us in that moment. And what difference does it make if I lost 10 or 15 dollars? I'm trying to lose the COVID-19 pounds. Maybe I should fast. But we have to assume the best with everyone around us. In verse 3, it says this, when he saw Peter, when the crippled person, the lame person, the person who could not walk. And by the way, isn't it interesting that he doesn't even have a name? Because so oftentimes when we see people that are different than us, we start to label him. Instead of him having a name, they called him the lame person. They called him the crippled person. This is the person since birth who can't do anything productive. But his life was about to change because two people assume the best. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, what did he do? He asked them for money. Don't you hate that? Have you ever been there before? I don't know if you went downtown and you go to Ford Field, you go to Comerica Park, you go to Little Caesars Arena and you see a person and you already know what's going to happen, right? They're going to ask you for money. And what are you going to do? And what am I going to do? We're going to act like that person doesn't even exist. I've done it. You've done it. Maybe you went across the street because you assumed the worst. You didn't assume the best. More importantly, sometimes people don't need your money. They just need you. You and I have to assume the best. And this is what Peter did because verse 4 says this, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. Come on, look at me, Grumlaw. Look at us. That word in the original language means look, look, a double look. Look at us. In other words, we see you. We see your condition but we see your potential. We see where you're at, but we see where you're going. They assumed the best. They fixed their gaze on him, and he became their one. I have a question, Grumlaw. Who's your one? We did this at our church as well, and we've really been talking about who is the one person that you can invest and invite. Who is the one person that you can pray that their life would be changed by the gospel? Who is the one person that needs a relationship with Jesus? And why is this important? Because we were somebody's one. 
So what we would love for you to do is to actually write this person's name, maybe your coworker, maybe a family member, maybe someone you know, and we would pray for that person. And what great story would it be if you assumed the best? And that person gave their life to Christ because of your prayer, because of your invitation. A couple weeks ago, after I was done golfing, I liked to golf, assumed the best. I went to the driving range with my son. He's six years old. But also, my son, I'm trying to get him into relationships with other people. And so I called the father of one of my uh, son's friends and I said, hey, you want to go golfing? Let's go to the driving range. And he said, well, I don't have clubs. I said, don't worry about it. I have clubs for you. So we go to the driving range and, and he has a good time. And he says, you know what? I would love to continue to play golf, but I don't have any clubs. And here's an opportunity. I said, let me meet the need. Let me invest. I said, you know what? I already have other golf clubs. You can have mine. And he said, are you serious? How much money do you want? I'm not looking for money. I'm just trying to assume the best. We go out for ice cream, and, and now I'm thinking, God, in my mind, God, is this an opportunity for me to share the gospel? Is this an opportunity for me to share my heart? And I'm a pastor, and I'm not the type of person who will go knocking on doors. Hey, do you know Jesus? No, no, I believe in invest and invite who's your one. And I just asked him, what's your spiritual background? And I can tell from the conversation he really didn't have a spiritual background. I don't believe he has a relationship with Jesus. And I just told him, man, I would love for you to come to our church. I would love to have another conversation with you. As I get back into the car, he comes up to me and he says, please give me an invitation to your church. I would love to come and I would love to continue our conversation. Who's your one, Grumlaw? What would it look like if you asked someone to come to church? Or what would it look like if you invited someone to a relationship with Jesus? And you can begin right now by praying for that person that God would use you in order for them to come into the kingdom of God. In verse 5 it says, so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Maybe he expected that they would give him a couple of quarters or something, but he didn't know his life was going to change. And it says this, and Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Since birth, he was lame. He couldn't move. And they have the audacity to tell him to walk. All he wanted was loose change. But sometimes God will not give you what you want, but he'll give you what you need. Is there anybody here that you wanted something, but you're grateful that God just gave you what you needed? He wanted money, but they said, no, we're going to change your life through Jesus Christ, because we're assuming the best. Get up and walk. And I wasn't there. He's standing in front of this gate called beautiful, but I don't know if this gate was beautiful to him. Why? Because his friends didn't bring him into the temple where they worship God. His friends left him right before the temple because maybe they thought that they wouldn't accept him. I got a question for you, Grumlaw. If there was someone that was different than you, would you assume the best? If there was someone that didn't think like you, would you assume the best? Is everyone accepted in this church? See, I know Shay and I know his heart and, and everyone is accepted in this church. But is everyone accepted in this church? I'm so thankful that God, he calls us to be fishers of men. 
And if you go fishing, you know you have a fishing pole and you put a specific type of bait because you're trying to catch a specific type of fish. But that's not what Jesus does. We don't fish with fishing poles. We fish with a net, which means when you fish with a net, you might get debris. You might get fish that are different than everybody else. And that's what Jesus wants. He wants everybody to come into the kingdom of God. And I'm so grateful that Jesus caught me. And I know sometimes you're like, wait a minute, they have to have the right resume. They have to have certain things in order before they come to Christ. Listen to me. You have to catch the fish before you clean the fish. And most oftentimes we want clean fish, but Jesus is the one that cleans us up. And all of us were dirty at one time. But Jesus is the one who assumes the best and he cleans us up. You're telling me to walk? Since birth, I haven't been able to take a step. I haven't been able to move forward. This this doesn't make sense. And maybe you're here right now and someone's actually telling you to enter into a relationship with Jesus. And you're saying, you don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through. How in the world are you telling me to walk? You're telling me to reconcile. You're telling me to forgive somebody. You're telling me to continue to trust God in my finances. You're telling me to live out these core values. Do you know who I am? Yeah, but do you know who God is? This person was lame from birth and they had enough faith to assume the best. And they said, get up and walk. Here's a question that I have for you. What is preventing you from taking a next step? He's crippled. He can't take a next step. So I know what's preventing him from taking a next step. But what's preventing you from taking a next step? If you're here today, what's preventing you from having an authentic relationship with Jesus? We're thankful that you're here and we want you to keep coming. But what's actually preventing you from taking that next step to surrendering your life to Christ? And maybe you've done that, but what's preventing you from taking that next step to going under the water through baptism so we can celebrate you? Because salvation isn't the finish line, it's the starting line. What's preventing you? You've been coming to this church on Sundays, and, but you haven't committed to getting in into a group. What's preventing you from doing that? Because real life change happens in circles, not roles. And some of you are so gifted and so talented. What's preventing you from getting on a serve team? What's preventing you from sharing your faith? What's preventing you from inviting your neighbors to church? What's preventing you from taking Your next step. Verse seven says this. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Oh, this is so good. He couldn't get up and take a next step by himself. He was only to take a next step by himself because he had people who assumed the best and helped pick him up when he couldn't get up. I want you to understand he was lame. He couldn't move. He had friends that would bring him to the temple courts. But now he has two people who saw him, who assumed the best and helped him get up. Listen to me. There's going to be moments in your life where you're not going to be able to get up. But you need some friends. You need some people in your church, some people in your life that will help you get up when you don't feel like walking again. And it says that he became strong. He was weak, but he became strong because he allowed people to help him up. 
It says he jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them to the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. A person who was lame his whole life, a person who was crippled his whole life, goes into the church and starts jumping up and praising God. Okay, come here. Imagine someone who's at Grumlaw Church and you see him at the entrance, can't move, can't get up, begging for change. Everyone day after day walking over him. And then one day he goes through those doors during praise in worship and starts jumping for joy. And I don't know about you, but that would shock us all. We might even look back at him and say, what's wrong with him? But when you've been crippled your whole life and God raises you up with the group of people and people assume the best, you will start to praise God. See, if my mama was here, I'm going to talk about my mama right now. Don't say nothing about my mama. I'm going to come to this church. Anyway, back to the message. If my mama was here, she would jump up at this part. She would shout for joy. And you'd probably be the person who didn't want to sit next to her. But you know what? My mom twice had breast cancer and God healed her. So she always praises God because there was a moment in her life when she was crippled, not able to take a next step. When I needed God's provision, he provided for me. See, it's a difference between reading about what God can do and then experiencing what God will do. If you assume the best, see, Grumlaw, you need to assume the best. God is not done in this church. You are just beginning, but you have to assume the best. We have to look forward to what God wants us to do. And one of the reasons he was able to be healed is because they didn't look at the problem. They looked at his potential. (laughs) Don't look at the problem. Look at the potential. They didn't focus on that he couldn't take a next step. They didn't focus that he was lame. They focused that he could walk. Did you just hear what I said? They did not focus that he was lame. They focused on the potential that he could walk. Stop focusing on the problem. Start focusing on the potential. Verse 9 says this. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, called Grumlaw. (laughs) And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Don't you want this? Don't you want where people who are crippled, lame, people who can't move, start going to this church and you look at them like, oh my God, they must have met with Jesus. That would amaze us. We would be in awe. But we have to understand this. All of us are lame. All of us in some form or fashion are crippled. All of us have issues. And by the way, if you don't think you have issues, then your issue is thinking you don't have issues. Do me a favor. Tell the person next to you, you have issues. Now look right back at them and tell them, no, I live with you. You really have issues. All of us have issues. But if it wasn't for the grace of God, none of us would be able to walk. And we need to assume the best for people around you because that's what Christ did for you. While you were a sinner, Christ died for you. Not when you were walking, when you were lame, because he assumed the best. He didn't look at the problem. He looked at the potential. 
And yes, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. But if it was just you, if it was just you, if it was just you, he would have died for you because he assumed the best. That's the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for the sins of the whole world. And all we have to do is receive it as a gift. But the question today is, will you open the gift? Will you give your life to Christ? What is the next step that God is calling you to make?